In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Keep me free from the trap that is set for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. I hate those who cling to worthless idols. As for me, I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your love, for you saw my affliction and knew the anguish of my soul. You have not given me into the hands of the enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious place. Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction and my bones grow weak because of all my enemies. I am the utter contempt of my neighbors and an object of dread to my closest friends. Those who see me on the street flee from me. I'm forgotten as though I were dead. I have become like broken pottery. For I hear many whispering terror on every side. They conspire against me and plot to take my life. But I trust in you, Lord. I say you are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. Let your face shine on your servant. Save me in your unfailing love. Let me not be put to shame, Lord, for I've cried out to you. But let the wicked be put to shame and be silent in the realm of the dead. Let their lying lips be silenced. For with pride and contempt, they speak arrogantly against the righteous. How abundant are the good things that you have stored up for those who fear you, that you bestow in the sight of all of those who take refuge in you. In the shelter of your presence, you hide them from all human intrigues. You keep them safe in your dwelling from accusing tongues. Praise be to the Lord. For he showed me the wonders of his love when I was in a city under siege. In my alarm, I said, I am cut off from your sight. Yet you heard my cry for mercy when I called to you for help. Love the Lord, all his faithful people. The Lord preserves those who are true to him. But the proud he pays back in full. Be strong and take heart, all you who hope in the Lord. Holy Spirit, open our hearts to your words this morning. Open our hearts to your truth, to relationship with you, to your offer of salvation. May we be awake to what you are doing and what you are speaking and how you are moving us. Reveal our need this morning, God, and move us to respond for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen. For King David, as he is penning this psalm, salvation 
is a very personal thing for David. It's very intimate. It's holistic. It's about his life. It's not just something that happened in the past for him. For David, salvation is something that God is doing. God is on the move, saving him. And he's continuing to do that over and over and over again. And so David cries out in the psalm, deliver me, rescue me, lead me, guide me, be merciful to me, let your face shine on me, save me. These are all synonyms for how David wants God to be active in his life, to experience the presence of God in his life. And behind all of that is this most basic salvation, this movement from death to life. But it also includes this movement of moving away from loneliness and depression and affliction and distress and opposition and failure. These are the things that David is naming that God wants to save him from, that David longs to experience salvation from. And I wonder as you consider your own need, how would you name that this morning? How would you name your need for salvation? Again, not just in an ultimate sense, but in an immediate right now, what do you want God to do in your life? In this holistic, ongoing sense, maybe it's, God, save me from my addiction. Save me from my isolation my fears, my apathy, my lack of certainty, my doubts, my cynicism, my dissatisfaction. God, save me from my brokenness and move me to a place of satisfaction and joy and peace and wholeness. I don't know how you would name that, but I think it's important for you to name it. And so just close your eyes for a second. And have, have a conversation with God, a very simple conversation where you put some words to how you want God present now in your life. And the truth this morning for whatever you've just named, is God is ready and willing and powerful to act and to save in a real, intimate, personal, immediate, ongoing way. When the New Testament writers picked up this language of salvation in connection with the story of Jesus and the Spirit, they're including this holistic, ongoing sense of salvation that David used in the Psalms that we use as our lament for this morning. So when Luke writes about thousands of people being saved in this new Christian movement of the Spirit, he's not just talking about people turning their lives over to Jesus once. He's talking about a movement of God's salvation in their midst, transforming them day by day by day by day. They're in this lifelong process of being saved through Christ by the power of the Spirit. And at the end of this passage that we've been looking at for two months now, there's a comment about this that I want to zero in on. But I want to read the whole passage just one more time since we're ending the series today. Uh, so why don't you stand with me? This is Acts chapter 2. This is right at the beginning of the story of the church. And this is what the Spirit is doing. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread and a prayer. 
Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued meeting together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is God's word to us this morning. Thanks be to him. You can have a seat. This is going to be the shortest sermon ever preached at Warehouse because I've got another hour-long sermon to do in a little bit. Uh, it's going to be awesome. But I want to say two things this morning, and I don't want you to miss them. Two really beautiful things that this last sentence of this passage highlights for us. One is that when it comes to salvation, God does it. God is the one who saves. And when he does that, it's not just something he does once. In the past. It is something he continues to do right now in the present. We are in the process of being saved, and one day we will be saved once and for all. We will be glorified like Christ, but this is a process. So let's dig into those. First, God is the one who does the saving. It says in Acts 2.47 right here, the Lord added to their number. Just before this passage, at the end of Peter's sermon in Acts 2, it says there were 3,000 people who were added to the number of, of, of the believers that day. And even though Peter preached a pretty amazing sermon, it wasn't because of Peter's sermon that people were saved. It was because God was at work. God was the one who did the saving that day, not some brilliant act of Peter or anybody else. It is God's work to move people from darkness to light. It is God's work to take people who are dead in their sins and to make them alive, to move people from, from uh, a hardness of heart to a place that's receptive to God's presence and work in our lives and foster in them and in you and in me a posture of repentance and faith. This is God doing the work. God is the one who does the saving. God is the one who adds to our number. And I believe that this really simple but profound and deep truth of God's action in our lives is both very humbling and very energizing. It's humbling because no matter how winsomely I or anybody else teaches or shares the good news of Jesus, no matter how captivating our Sunday morning services or our life together that we've been talking about, no matter how skillful we are at evangelism or social action, no matter how intentional we are of loving our neighbors and walking alongside them and how impressive our strategies are for gospel-centered ministry and Christian community development and all this, it is God who does the saving, not us. God is the one who does the work. And therefore, we can breathe a big sigh of relief. It is not up to us. And it's incredibly humbling. We can say, we must decrease, Christ must increase, and we need to highlight his work. And it's, that, that's a challenging thing for me as a pastor because I, I long for more people to be captured by the good news of Jesus. And we, we pour out blood, sweat, and tears thinking about how to guide a church so that you will be captivated by the good news of Jesus and more people who are not already will be. And yet, I'm, I'm humbled by the fact that this is God's work. It's not mine. And it's not the elders. It's not anybody 
else. It's, it's God. And, and so we are put in this place of incredible dependence on God's leading and power, while at the same time, we're energized. Why? Because what we see over and over again in Scripture, and even here in Acts 2, is that God uses ordinary people like you and me to do this work. Our words and our actions and our decisions. Somehow, mysteriously, this is how God has chosen to work. So God saved people through the preaching of Peter. God saved people through the apostles' teaching, through their meals together, through their prayers, through their generosity, through their corporate worship. All of these things we've been talking about in this series, these, these relatively ordinary things of life together, this is how God works. This is how His Spirit moves. And so we see there in Acts 2 that these words and actions of a small community of believers became, by God's grace, the means by which God begins to save people and this movement of the Spirit begins to spread over the whole world, first in Jerusalem and then all over the world. And it's the same drama that we're a part of, the same drama of God's salvation, of God on the world stage acting among us, moving among us. It's happening in this room today. It's happening in our church as we're scattered all throughout Charlotte throughout the week. It's going to be happening over at the movement school. We're a part of it. God is near and real and working and moving and saving us and our neighbors. And God's the one who, do, who does it, but he does it through us. It's incredible. It's humbling. It's energizing. It's, we're completely dependent, and we're completely responsible, and God gives us everything that we need. I could put it this way. Maybe this is encouraging to you this morning. You have nothing, and I mean nothing, to do with the salvation of your family and friends and neighbors. And yet you have everything to do with the salvation of your family and your friends and your neighbors. It may seem like a paradox, but this is, this is how God works. It's how he moves. And my prayer is that the Spirit would unleash that kind of energy in this church, a humble energy of recognizing what God is doing, recognizing that he's the one who's doing it, and so humility, recognizing that's through us, so energizing, a humble, a humble energy and spirit to participate in what God is doing. All right, that's the first thing. The second thing is that this is ongoing. This work of God, this salvation of God, does not just happen once. It is a lifelong journey. Now, I know a lot of you can put, can put a date and a time on the moment when your eyes were opened, your heart was flooded with God's love, and you viscerally experienced the movement from darkness into life. And I praise God for that. I don't have a moment like that in my life. Um, some of you do. And I'll tell you what we all have in common. We all have in common the fact that if you have trusted in Jesus, he is still working in our lives. He is still in this process of saving us until the day when we will be perfect in the new heavens and new earth. And so this is something I think that we need to talk about more. The fact that, yes, we have been united with Christ through faith, and yet we should long, if we're united to Christ, to become more like him every day, right? 
to move from fear to trust, to move from idolatry to true worship, from worry to peace, from unfaithfulness to faithfulness, from whatever is holding us back from fullness in Christ into fullness of life in Christ. This is our prayer. We need to remember this ongoing work of God's salvation is just as much a matter of God's grace as the very beginning moments when you first knew him. Paul tries to remind the early churches of this over and over again because it's so important. He's like, starting off in faith, don't think that you all of a sudden are going to be able to do this following Jesus thing on your own strength. No, it is all God's work. It's all his power working through us weak people, and it's all by his grace. So having received new life in union with Christ, we are launched into this lifelong journey by the power of the Spirit of becoming more like this Jesus who is our Lord and our Savior. And we falter, and we take two steps back and one forward, but the Spirit of God is on the move, doing this in your life, in my life, in this church, in our city, and He's always at work within and underneath our work of, of activating our desires and motivating us uh, to, to act and empowering us to choose. So at every moment, we can be absolutely dependent and humble and totally energized that God is doing this work through us. It's all God from beginning to end. And so we constantly boast, this is not our accomplishment, this is not our achievement, it's God's in Christ by the Spirit, what he's doing in and through us. But we're energized because he's doing that in and through us, and it's real, and it's personal, and it's immediate, and it's about our whole lives. Paul says in Philippians 2 that we're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. But don't end there. He says, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So it is, it is humbling and energizing for us to recognize this is all God, and it's all us in partnership by the Spirit, all experiencing this foretaste of where we're heading because the promise is this process that's going on now that can sometimes feel very slow and very frustrating and can cause us to lament like David helped us lament this morning. The promise is God will complete the process. God will make us whole, entirely whole, and will transform us not to be our, the selves that we know, but to be our glorified selves like Christ in the new heavens and the new earth. And that begins now because today and every day is a day of salvation. And so God, as we just consider that today is a day of salvation, how are you moving us? How are you inviting us to in humility recognize our need to set aside our egos and to embrace your offer and your work and your power and your gifts and everything that you are willing and able and powerful to pour into us. God, may we say yes to that this morning, whether that is for the very first time where we experience the life-transforming 
encounter with a living Christ who brings us to life again, or whether we become dulled to your work and dulled to your presence, and we need to wake up and we need to say yes to your work of salvation in our lives. Spirit of God, what are you saying? How are you speaking? How are you moving? Please help us identify that, each one of us, so we can say yes in our own way, in our particular ways. Um, Some of us, God, move us to say yes at the start of this journey. Say yes to you, Jesus, in your life. For me and, and for many others in the room, God, move us to say yes to you today and every day to recognize your grace, to continue to be conformed to your image. And may we let go of even our best efforts and just fall into your arms as you save us. Move us to believe, to trust, to depend on you, and to be filled with joy. In your name, Jesus, amen.